Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Guys, I'm so excited to have Christian here with us today. Um, I met Christian through FASD channels and um, all of all of those support groups, and she has amazed me with her knowledge and just with her advocacy. And so I'm really glad to have her here. And I just learned two seconds ago that she doesn't even have a child with FASD. And I I could have sworn she did because she's such a great advocate. And so um, she's already very near and dear to my heart. Christian, you explain what you do and tell us about yourself and why in the world FASD have you chosen to be an advocate for? (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah, my name is Christian Hancock. I am a speech language pathologist and responsive feeding therapist, and that has evolved into a lot of parent coaching. That's my treatment philosophy is rooted in sustainable strategies for home and for families. Um, So I travel in the home. That's where I prefer to do Um, You know, this valuable work is with caregivers in this natural environment. Um, But, you know, I go to daycares and preschools, too. Um, So I created my private practice. Um, heart and soul speech. Um, I'm in North uh, North Dallas, McKinney, and um, I created it honestly to have more time at home with my own family. Um, I did not realize starting a business does not really give you more time. Um, so that was the lesson learned quickly, but it has allowed me the flexibility in finding things um, that, you know, are meaningful to me. And I did not uh, intend to specialize in FASD. I just felt like I had a lot of families with questions I couldn't answer using the knowledge that I had in, um, you know, university training and the experiences that I had gotten just didn't support it well. And at the same time, trauma-informed care was speaking to me. I was learning more about that. Um, later on, I, I, I just, I felt like I wasn't supporting these families well. Um, Something was missing. And so um, during that time, I was reaching out multidisciplinary um, fields. SLP doesn't have a lot on this, you know, population yet. And so reaching out across fields, trying to figure it out. And I had met a neighbor um, whose daughter has an FASC and it just kind of clicked. And I said, this is this is it. I need to know more about this. I have absorbed everything I possibly could. And now my mission is um, just to support these families, um, caregivers, and um, to, to spread the word because SLPs don't have a lot. Nobody's talking about it. And that's such a shame when we know how prevalent it is. Um, you know, your audience probably knows one in 20 um, in the general population in the United States, that's two, more than two times autism um, rates. That's more than spina bifida, um, muscular dystrophy, and uh, Down syndrome combined, right? And then when we're talking about foster and adopt population, um, you know, it might be as high as 70, 80% that we're talking about here. Um, so, 
you know, I want to talk about it. I'm glad we're getting more people talking about it. Um, I want people to have answers to these questions and feel really supported at home. Yeah. I love that. So if somebody's just popping in today and they're listening for the first time and they're an adopted mama, they may not even know what FASD is. Um, can you give a brief synopsis? And this is near and dear to my heart, just in case you're just arriving on the scene here, because I have three kiddos with FASD and I have been blown away with the lack of knowledge I received in training and that there is nothing, that nobody knows about it. And you have to figure this out on your own yet. All of the things that come from it are so, I mean, they can take over your life. And so um, I, that's why I feel so passionate about this. So I would love for you to just give a short snippet. Sure. Of what FASD is. FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders is the umbrella term. Um, underneath that, we have several diagnoses from um, different fields, right? So we have some from psychology, some from the medical field, um, some from the school diagnoses, depending on where you are in the system. Um, FAS, fetal alcohol syndrome, is the one that is in, um, it has an ICD-10 code. It's probably what your doctor might think of when you start talking about FASD. FAS has a very specific diagnostic criteria, and one of those things includes the, um, the facial features, having the facial features. This is a problem, and it contributes to why so many of um, our, our families aren't able to get a diagnosis, because facial features only happen in 10% of the population. Um, so that means 90% do not have facial features and will not get the FAS diagnosis. Also under the umbrella, you might have ARND, um, alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorder. That has a separate list of um, characteristics. I will say for FAS and ARND, both of those talk about facial features, but it is not required if you have a certain, if you meet every other, um, you know, every other characteristic listed. So sometimes I hear families say, well, they didn't have facial features, so they didn't get a diagnosis. I would like families to know that you can push forward if you have met every other diagnostic criteria listed in those manuals. Um, so there's several other things listed under the FASD umbrella. There's birth defects, alcohol-related birth defects that you might hear. Um, in the schools, it's typically under OHI, other health impairment. Um, so a lot of ways that we're thinking about what the prenatal alcohol exposure and how it presents in um, an individual and that's really why it's a spectrum is because we have lots of different presentations. So FASD is the umbrella. We have several things underneath that. That's beautifully explained. Good job. Very short, concise. Um, I, I tend to ramble for a really long time when I'm trying to describe it to people because I'm not, I feel like it'll have that medical. There's so much to say. There is so much to say and I want everybody to know everything about it. Um, I get really fired up about it. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting, like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, 
more peaceful and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. Anyway, I would love to hear kind of your perspective of being an SLP and FASD. So when you're seeing adoptive foster care families and you start to see some of these red flags, what do those look like? What should parents be looking out for? And even before that, I'm, I mean, this is complete side note, but I'm often amazed, like hearing children speak sometimes I'm thinking, why in the world is your child not in speech therapy? What are things that you could encourage moms and parents to really have their little antennas up for in watching their kids in speech? Mm -hmm. And then I want to move into like your red flags. I'm so sorry. That was kind of scattered. Okay. Um, So when I, you know, when I see an, a foster adopt child come through on my caseload, because of my background and knowledge now, I'm, I'm already thinking FASD because of that, um, that big number that we see in the, in the population. Um, but I think the average person um, probably has no idea. Um, they're not thinking FASD. What they are probably thinking as the caregiver is, I don't feel like this is typical development. I don't know exactly how I should be supporting my child, I have concerns. Those are kind of three things that I hear often from caregivers. I have concerns. Nobody else really is agreeing with me yet. Um, They don't live my life at home with this child. um, And I don't know what to do. So they are already organically seeing red flags on their own. They just don't know what that means for them. Um, So I, you know, I start seeing kids who have a plethora of diagnoses and um, almost never prenatal alcohol exposure, almost never FASD. Usually it's things like ADHD, um, global delayed milestones, um, delayed speech, um, sleeping disorders, feeding disorders, um, learning disabilities, memory problems, um, you know, and these are things that we see as infants. And then we start to see as toddlers. And, and that could be a number of things, unless we know that there's confirmed or suspected prenatal alcohol exposure, those, those things in toddlerhood and infancy early childhood, those could be anything really. Um, Where I start to see it split off and really define the FASD population is when we start hearing parents say, I saw them do this yesterday and today it's like it never existed. Fluctuating skills is where I start to see this deviate. Um, It's it makes a lot of sense when we talk, you know, we talk about neurology and how the brain is working. It's really like this. I love when people say that um, it's like a, a faulty 
light bulb, um, it old wiring in an old home. Sometimes it, it switches on and it works just fine. Sometimes it flickers. Sometimes it doesn't turn on at all, right? And that's really what's happening with the neurons in the brain. They're not firing and wiring. So we see these kind of neurological holes in the brain where doesn't support this the skill in that moment. It's really moment to moment with these kids. And that can seem really frustrating as a caregiver because it seems like defiant. It seems like defiant behavior. Um, you know, they're not doing it because they don't want to do it and just making my life really hard. Um, so I see that um, as a, you know, a, a huge red flag is, is the, um, the ability to have it one time and not the other. Impulsivity and struggling with executive functioning tasks is really another area. And I think sometimes, you know, actually a lot of times I see these kids with an autism diagnosis and um, it can look similar because of the difficulties or differences with social pragmatic communication, differences in sensory processing. Um, so we can start thinking about autism, but executive functioning skills in FASD is just significant and how intense it is, um, intense of a challenge it can be and how much um, how much more frequent the FASD child needs support frequent and duration. You know, we see autism needing it, but FASD is much, much longer of a duration needing support and much, much longer of intensity needing support. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, okay. I feel like you've just described my children. <laughs> yes. This makes sense to me. I will say the one thing I think probably the, the number one thing I hear families say is we've tried everything. We've tried behavioral intervention. We've tried rewards and punishments and consequences. We've tried medication. We've tried these things and they're not working. And it's not me. I'm, you know, it's not, I'm not a bad parent. And I think sometimes that gets dismissed in the, the, in the healthcare professionals, you know, thinking, well, if you just structured the environment a little bit better, you probably could have more success. I have been taught this lesson so many times. It is never those things. This is organic brain change. This is a different brain. The way they function is different. So we cannot have the same expectations. We cannot have the same treatment strategies like punishments and consequences and you know, modeling even. Um, they, they're not going to be able to learn from the environment in the same way because of that fire and wire in the brain. So when I hear families say, we've tried everything, it's not working, I am desperate, I'm thinking FASD. Let's have a conversation. Let's see if we can figure this out together. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that. I feel in my journey as a foster care mama and everything you just laid out there that I was experiencing with my kids. And I was told if you provide a safe place and if you connect with your kids and you use this parenting method of, of connecting, which is a wonderful parenting method, but 
doesn't necessarily quote unquote work with FASD kids. There may be times when you're like, whoa, you should be de-escalating right now. And you're doing the exact opposite. Like if I'm going textbook, you're not following the textbook. Right. And it feels like, okay, so maybe I did something wrong. So maybe I'm a bad parent. And then you're kind of like trying to rationalize if I didn't have these other kids, I would think that I was an awful parent because, oh my goodness. Right. Like their behaviors, clearly you're supposed to dictate how, like how I'm doing as a mama. Cause I've been told if I do this as a mama, their behaviors are going to be this way. And that is not the case. Right. And so I think that that's such a struggle for a lot of adoptive families. They feel like they must be doing something wrong. They're not a good fit for said kid when truly it's just a whole different mindset that we need to wrap our minds around and we need to put a lot more supports in place than are there at the current moment. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's unfortunate that I hear that same story again and again. And um, I think we as a healthcare field, medical field are, are failing these families when we aren't acknowledging that struggle. And so part of my treatment plan is always to have caregivers figuring out what they are able to control, <laughs> releasing the rest, um, and, and really prioritize their, their self-care, which I know is oversaid, but not only self-care because it, it's impossible. I do not have children with FASC and it's impossible for me. So I know that is not a great recommendation for other families, um, but community care. And I hope that by talking about this more, we have more of that community care um, because this is an exhausting job. And if caregivers aren't able to self-regulate, then they can't show up to co-regulate. And that's what we need. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't always, you know, the FAC child isn't always able to access that. Yeah. And us as the external brain have to provide those strategies. It doesn't always work the way we think it does. Um, and so if I've got a parent who's just completely burnt out, they can't show up in that way. Um, yeah. so it, it's, we need to do a better job here. Yeah. And I, I, when you said that as healthcare professionals, I just thought about the first time I walked into an office, we had to fly out to California to get a diagnosis from Dr. Kenneth Jones for two of our kids. And the fact that we had to fly out to California is ridiculous period. However, mm -hmm. um, when we walked in there, I was telling them about my oldest son. And I said, truly, my goal is to just keep him out of prison. Like that would be amazing if he didn't go to prison one day. And that sounds like such a, like, if I tell any other parent that they're like, mm, aim higher, Laura, like, it just doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But I talked to FASD moms and they're like, yeah, I get that. And he was the first doctor to look at me and say, yeah, I understand that. And that's really scary. I just lost it. I bawled and bawled because it's like, you're the first time we've gone to hundreds of doctors. And he was the first doctor to acknowledge that. And it was so life-giving and reassuring and affirming. And I just, I, I can't say enough about that, that one moment, but I feel like it should be happening all over the place. And it's not, right. so if you're going to doctors and you're not getting that affirmation and you feel like you're, you're just being, I've been laughed at, I've been told about my parenting and how I need to try something else. And I it, just ridiculous things I've been told by medical professionals. And so if you're hitting that, I mean, reach out to Christian every night and we can at least affirm you and right. you about different options. And, and let me say on behalf of healthcare professionals, 
this, we don't need any, any knowledge of FASD. If I've never heard of something, there's, there's plenty of things out there that I don't know. I don't have the, the answers to. Um, but at the end of the day, if I'm not there showing up for you, human to human, heart to heart, if, if I'm not listening to you and hearing you and being there with you in that moment, then I'm not doing my job. We can figure out the answers together. Um, but if you're not being affirmed by your provider, please reach out. We will help you find someone who can, because that is our job. Yeah. I love that. That makes me so happy. One of the things I'm often telling mamas and why I think like, so my, my whole shtick is systems. I love a good system. And I think the joy that I found from them is like creating peace in the home sounds kind of impossible to a lot of FASD parents, but kind of the idea is that we can't control what's going on with our kids, like you were saying, but we can control some other aspects of our life. And when we get those things under control, then everything else goes smoother. And Mm so even though this feels out of control and feels like you never have a handle on anything, there are some things that we can get a handle on and um, really just create peace in those areas. So that way your, your child's not running your life and running your home and holding you all hostage. And I really want that for mamas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I, 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 you know, I kind of hooked on this, this whole like simple simplicity, the simple living. And, you know, you can say it's a fad right now, the minimalist lifestyle. Um, but for these families, I think this works for the FASD child. It is part of the strategy that we can give them. We can give them the piece of a predictable routine, you know, a structured environment where they know what to expect. If our child, if we can prevent the arousal or the, you know, the increased cortisol spike for our child's nervous system, if we can prevent this, then we ourselves are giving back our peace. Mm -hmm. Um, so putting these systems in place, like you advocate for, you educate about, um, are the same things I'm doing in therapy, um, for these families. I think that's, that's a problem that we're missing that in our, our therapy supports, um, because it's not just about the child and what the child's ability is. It's the whole environment. It's the whole family dynamic. Um, it's, you know, what the room looks like and what it feels like for that child and therefore by, for that family. Um, so anytime I can simplify a system for a parent, a caregiver, I know that I'm also doing my job for that child because they can better co-regulate. They can better, you, we can, we just have more energy to show up, um, for our child in hard, difficult moments, when we ourselves feel like everything else is taken care of, I can be here with you in this moment. I don't have to, you know, deal with all these other things because we've we've taken care of that. The system is working; it's in place. Um, it's on auto, autopilot, and I can really devote the energy and attention that you need right now. Is it perfect? No, no. I know it's not. Um, but sometimes I think, you know, just setting the foundation is, is the first step. Yeah. Mm. Love it so much. Makes me so happy. Okay. Well, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you and how to reach out if they need to reach out. Yes. 
Yes, please. Um, my website is heartandsoulspeech.com, A-N-D, um, heartandsoulspeech.com. Um, I uh, am also on Facebook, same name at Heart and Soul Speech, and on Instagram, heart underscore soul underscore speech. Perfect. And y'all, I'm really excited because um, my little dream that I have, I have Christian on the board for it. <laughs> And we've actually never met in person, which is so entertaining to me, but, um, I've, I've just taken her in as a champion for FASD and I feel super excited about it. And I'm speaking this into life right now that there will be an FASD clinic in Texas, in the Dallas area, so that there are places for you to go and get a diagnosis, get supports, get the counseling, get the, everything that you could possibly need as a mama. Um, so it won't be any time this year, but Hopefully very soon we'll get things going and hopefully we'll see you there. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about this. It's, you know, it's unacceptable in the state of Texas that we're sending families to Arkansas, to Oklahoma, to California. Um, we have the resources. We just need to bring it all together so that we can have this one-stop shop for families looking for support. Um, and it, I mean, it's a, it's a real honor to be a part of your dream. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I'd love to connect with, with you, um, with you out there in the audience. Um, if you've got questions. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.